Hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and this week, my guest is Chris Sicard. We're going to talk about the Seattle independent music scene, but in this first segment of our epic two-part interview, we're going to discuss his current solo project called Critter. Now, longtime listeners of the podcast might know Chris as the lead singer of Waking Things. He's been on the show a couple of times to talk about that band, but Chris Sicard has been a fixture in Seattle's indie scene for nearly 15 years. I've known him for roughly a third of that. Uh, During that time, he has jumped from project to project, building up a catalog of evocative music that's often difficult to pin down by genre. But now, with his 2021 full-length album, Critter, he's written some of the most compelling music of his career. Chris's style is defined by open-hearted lyricism, adventurous productions, and a willingness to take risks on everything every track. He delves deeply into topics of identity, self-reflection, and melancholy, utilizing his signature mix of humor and warmth to leave a lasting impression. As a result, he has been consistently well-received within the Seattle community and beyond. Critter takes elements of alt-rock, electronica, and jangle pop and spins them into something wholly new. Critter revolves between upbeat and energetic and other times moody and mysterious. It is a masterclass in modern indie. Featuring prominent artists such as Danny Denial, Tiger Rider, High Crime, and more, Critter will be welcomed by Chris's longtime listeners while also introducing him to the broader audience his work deserves. Chris Sicard, thanks for joining me here on Mike Seibert Radio, talking about stuff and things and musics, and and I'm just so excited. I'm like almost <laughs> nervous, almost. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Every podcast is somebody's first podcast, and we have a history that kind of goes back to the the KGRG era of uh, uh, Mike Seibert Radio, back when I was doing the uh, college radio thing. And I've told this story a number of times. I've told you this story a number of times, but still even then some six years later one of my favorite memories of being on kgrg is when you and your band waking things came up for the old buzz morning show and did a um, live performance Mm. and did some trivia Um, still the trivia master i see over there (laughs) i will relent that title if somebody can actually beat me but uh, to be fair they have to beat me at the Green River Community College. They can't beat me anywhere else because if truth be told is that I'm probably really a terrible trivia person, but it's just (laughs) the right circumstances. Yeah. You know, but yeah, no, I mean, so it, we've we've kept in touch since, you know, I, I've been a big fan and supporter of yours and of Waking Things and all of the, the cool stuff that you've done over the years. And what I've seen, what I've observed as both a fan and a friend is that your music has evolved in a number of different ways it's taken on uh different forms and we're going to talk about a couple different things today uh mostly we're going to talk about your new solo project uh critter which will be available in its entirety on august 3rd but a better portion of those songs are available now and we'll talk about those as we go uh but we're also going to kind of talk about the independent seattle music scene 
And that's that was actually kind of like the inspiration for this particular podcast. It's like you had posted on on Facebook saying like, well, hey, I, uh, you know, what started off as like a five page paper is kind of ballooned to like a 19 page opus. I think I kind of want to talk about it. I was like, <laughs> if only you knew somebody that had a platform for that. <laughs> Turns out I know someone. You know a guy that knows a guy. Yeah. I just want to take a second, though, and step back and say, of course. Uh, uh, how special that is that you've come from KGRG and college radio and you're here now mm-hmm. and you're here at the uh, Como News Studio and you're not just running your own podcast, but you're working in the business. And I think that's really special. Um, so I, I appreciate that uh, you're sticking with me along the way. So thank you. <laughs> uh, you're very welcome, man. And and thank you. That's that's very flattering. And, you know, we, uh, we kind of took a tour through the studios earlier. And one of the things I had shared with you as we were catching up and discussing is that it's easy to take some of this stuff for granted. Um, you know, we've got a, a fantastic view of the Space Needle and right. it's, you know, it's a, it's a gorgeous evening here in downtown. But what I what I have learned over, you know, definitely over this last year, but even going even further back is just learning gratitude and being thankful uh, for my opportunities. And I I sometimes kind of forget to reflect and say, oh, yeah, I've been doing this a while. I've made some really cool connections, but I, I still kind of try to stay tethered in a lot of ways to a lot of those things, including like, you know, keeping keeping in touch with you and supporting some of uh, my other homies that, that I've got acquainted with uh, way back on the college radio days as uh, as the podcast kind of continues. But but I will confess to you, Chris, it is it is a weird balance sometimes like, oh, the wait a sec so you you do an independent podcast but you work at a radio station it's like yes it's 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 occasionally complicated there's there's bleed over but but there's still kind of like a separation of church and state if that makes sense sure but i mean i think that's really great that you can use the <laughs> you can use the facilities it's of true. a professional news studio uh to your uh to your desires i mean yeah uh if i had access to uh you know a, a nice podcasting studio like this i'm sure you'd find me doing some sort of like murder mystery podcast um <laughs> with my wife uh it'd probably be something like you remember that in the 1970s that cold case well guess what we solved it we're coming for you <laughs> that's awesome well uh well speaking of let's let's uh get a little personal here before we we dig into the uh a meat of things you uh you and the wife are expecting you're uh, you're gonna be a dad congratulations thank you yeah this is uh quite literally the most important thing that I've ever done in my entire life. (laughs) Um, You know, everybody has their own take on uh, children and parenthood and and whether it's important or not. Mm -hmm. And I will be the first to say that I was one of those um, very reluctant people as I was in my younger years. And I think that's probably natural to be a younger person and say, I'm not old. I just want to put that out there. I'm only 33. But when I found out that we were having a baby, my whole entire perspective shifted. And I think that it was probably because I'm with the right person. Mm-hmm. And when we found out that we were having a baby, I had a whole full breakdown moment. 
And um, since that day, all I've wanted, it's been, there's been no hesitation. It's just been, I just want to meet her. Uh, I just want to, I want, I want her to be here. I know she's going to be like a little blob (laughs) and a little, you know, she's like one of those, um, what is it? Those, uh, those old toys, those little, uh, glow worms. Oh, glow worms. Yeah. 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 Sorry if, uh, anybody listening doesn't remember these, but they're the little glow, you know, maybe something else like, uh, can we make a reference to something newer? I don't know. Is there newer stuff? I don't, I don't even know. Because I was going to say, mo- most of my audience comes in for, to hear me talk about Transformers. So I think right. I think we're kind of in that in, in that 80s nostalgia toy stuff. I, th- I, th- I think a glow worm is pretty much a good reference. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off the, off the cuff here, and I'm going to say um, a random, um, how about just a, uh, a licensed toy? Like a Harry, sure. a stuffed Harry Potter toy. Everybody knows who Harry Potter is, uh-huh. right? So imagine it's a tiny little beanbag Harry Potter toy that you get from Universal Studios that costs way too much money, and uh, and it's uh, you know maybe it's got like some beans that's just like one of those round ones, you know, like a sure. gen- generic toy that doesn't actually have a shape. That's what this baby is going to be—just a generic toy from Universal Studios that's shaped like a beanbag, but it's going to be. Much my beanbag and <laughs> no for real though <laughs> it's say, really that's, terrible that's a very bizarre analogy listen it's oddly specific <laughs> yeah no she i i know she's a baby and i know that uh it's going to be months and months before she starts really developing that like you know personal personality but um i'm still excited i'm just mm-hmm. super excited to meet her that's that's fantastic and and you and your wife are still relatively newlyweds right well yeah you know you know how it goes uh we (laughs) do (laughs) we met uh and um we she fell hopelessly head over heels for me it's hard not to i know it's hard not to (laughs) um and once she did i said you know what you're right this is right this is right (laughs) and i couldn't disagree with her the truth is that i um I think that uh, we both just fell in love with each other, and then we got married in October uh, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. but we had a super, super small backyard wedding where we kept everything distance, and we had, yeah. I think it was like maybe uh, nine or ten people total. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was v- very safe, very good, um, but we had a great time, and uh, it was shortly after that that we, you know, we, we've just been kind of steam train the whole time yeah no reluctance that's that's interesting and what what that tells me though is that you like a lot of folks have just been living you know what i mean living your lives during this time of the pandemic and you know i've talked on this podcast in other places about you know it's like oh we we don't get to go to conventions or it's like you know we we miss like this human touch and and all of those aspects but meanwhile within our own selves and our own families we're going on living our own lives like you had asked me earlier um you know how how my life has been and because of the nature of my work i've I really haven't been as directly impacted by the ramifications of the pandemic as as a lot of other folks. You know, again, I have a lot to be grateful and thankful for, but it, it, it's interesting how folks will continue to live and how life goes on. Well, 
I, I said it before that not everybody is as fortunate and, mm-hmm. you know, that's understandable because um, this last year and a half has taken so much from so many people um, at and at the very most it's, you know, pe- taking lives from people, taking yeah. loved ones away from people yeah. and at the very least taking uh, identities away, taking whole entire uh, who you were prior to uh the outbreak mm-hmm. prior to lockdown prior to all of the quarantining and everything what kind of person were you what were you doing and who are you now how how were you able to carry leave that behind and just as it is with everything in life they say that it's the reason in a season in a lifetime people people are in your life for a reason a season or a lifetime yeah. and i think it's the same thing with the your own self you mm-hmm. you have these chapters and this is getting really uh, esoteric and also really um cliche but yeah I, I i do have to say that it's important that we look at how we've grown and yeah. look at that growth and, and accept it and just allow ourselves to keep moving i think so and 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 for me at least you know i I talk about gratitude but i'm also glossing over a fair amount of existential dread of which i have shared a lot with my audience as well and you're right though it's like as as we get towards the end of this if this in is indeed towards the end of it and it seems it's going that way but you just never know but yeah it's it's at a time where we kind of reconsider who we are and like you said taking into account who we were and really trying to reconcile and become the best versions of ourselves and i don't think there's a single one of us that regardless of how directly we were affected by the ramifications of the pandemic, either directly or indirectly, um, we're all going to be forever changed in some way. There's some kind of imprintation, imprintation. I don't think that's a word, but, but some kind of lasting imprint that, that we're all going to carry with us. And that's why it's going to be, it's going to be unique to this generation in mm-hmm. the same ways that like, obviously it's not the same thing in any way, shape or form, but I think there are similarities in like the way that the seventies, there was the gas crisis. Right. Um, and it was something that affected everybody and you couldn't um, live your life in the way that maybe had been, it had been built up or presented previously because right. you had to uh, uh, acclimate to uh, to the world that was around you, mm-hmm. and I think that's pretty standard. You know, you have to acclimate no matter what. Uh, if there's a trauma or a tragedy, you have to make the choice of whether you're going to move forward or not. Um, and it's not; it's always easier said than done. But I think your your mention of the imprint is that's going to be unique unique to this generation. And my daughter mm-hmm. isn't going to have to really deal with that. She's right. going to have her own thing that uh she's gonna have to deal with um and that might be another pandemic it might be uh an attack it might be something not as dramatic but it might be something that really makes a lasting impact on her Mm -hmm. and i think that will be um that's gonna be her battle you know i i remember one of the early jokes and memes that came out from like early pandemic where it's like why is grandpa using hand sanitizer oh he was in that pandemic of 2020 right. you know, that kind of thing right. certain certain habitual things 
I, I think will stick with us. Like, like I didn't really use a whole lot of hand sanitizer, but now I do. Yeah. And even just like, I, and oh man, I, I don't want to get into this too much, but like, I don't know. Like I, I, I listened back to some of my early pandemic podcasts where I, I talk about like, you know, the emphasis on hand washing and mm-hmm. things like that. And you know, where that would, that was really like a point of emphasis, and it almost feels kind of quaint going back and revisiting stuff that's even, you know, just over a year old. But I, I remember also saying, like, and I don't know how this became existential pandemic cast, but here we are. <laughs> um, but but no, seriously, it, it was like um, I, I remember saying, like, wouldn't it be interesting if in all of our preventative measures for preventing covid, we inadvertently prevent cold and flu? And sure enough, that that kind of happened because I don't know if anybody knew this or not, but people are gross. Yeah. And and I think this are our, this is a very long way of saying like just because we started washing our hands and using hand sanitizer, I think we're actually kind of safer as a as a society and a people. So if people catch me using hand sanitizer thirty years from now and you want to call me out for it, it's like yeah, man, but I don't got none of that flu. So to anybody listening, just still wash your hands. It's still important. <laughs> don't let Mike tell you any differently. Like it's quaint. <laughs> Because it's not quaint, it is very important. Well, I, I didn't mean quaint by unimportant. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, it was just. Uh, anyway, uh, so I, I was just going to say, I think it's a, a really good lead-in. Uh, that what we're talking about sets the stage for this whole. You know, if we're going to d- jump into the music aspect and the Seattle scene and everything, um, you can't have that conversation without having the the COVID conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't have that conversation without having the conversation about the impact of this last year and a half and what it's done to us uh, personally um, as a uh, Seattle scene, as a culture in the state, as a culture in the country and globally. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, not that my music is global, but uh, well, and I I was going to say you specifically and personally as an artist, right? Right. Uh, That's really what it comes down to is like, I would not have made this album had it not been for the uh, space that I was given to be able to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, Running myself ragged, being in a band, you know, doing the whole indie band thing with Waking Things. You just push so hard all the time. And I, not everybody's like this, but I know tons of people that are like this, which is that, that, you know, that paper we were mentioning earlier yeah um when i sent it off to a few people and they responded they're like oh my god yes i know exactly what you're talking about and that's really what solidified it for me is that i know that my experience is not unique but i also know that my perspective is my perspective mm-hmm. and that i think there there are some people that are willing to hear what i have to say whether it's musically or um otherwise and none of that would be possible had it not been for that like breakdown moment oh my god what am i gonna do yeah yeah exactly and and not to you know make this a a, a circle jerk suck off fest but (laughs) but uh, well okay well fine but i in in our conversations i've always been enamored with your depth of thought 
And I've always been impressed with your work ethic. And I would say that I, I would, uh, and I mean this affectionately, I, I would classify you as like a a high functioning musician and independent artist. Like mm. you're you're always like at that, you know, what's next? Where where am I going? Where am I going? What's you know, not content to sit still, right. always on the hustle. Yeah, uh, it, it's that's like a positive and negative thing for me that mm-hmm. um, I I exist in this headspace where um, no matter what I'm currently doing, I still have at least like four or five other things that I want to be working on. Yeah, and most of the time it's music. Sometimes it's uh, you know drumming up an idea about like how can I make incorporate something else into the music uh, whether it's like um, can I use this little melody toward uh, put it toward a a movie or can I take something from a movie incorporate it into some type of song that I'm working on or more importantly stepping away from all of that and saying how can I let my life re-influence my music again Mm -hmm. Um, all of this uh, you know hustle that I do all the time was it's draining. Yeah. So I had to slow down a little bit and, and allow myself to just um, be a little more open with who I am mm-hmm. as opposed to narrowing my scope of like, okay, it's got to fit within the realm of waking things and it's got to fit within like, in, even if we're doing a new album and it's like, that's a new thing. But um, I hadn't written a pop song, like a pop song ever uh, you right. know, and I had I, I hadn't written um, a song where I just played the bass and did like an electronica thing. I didn't. I've never written anything like that. Right. And it's not you. You know, it's not like crazy. Oh my God, this is the next wave or new. You know, unique thing. But it is. It's for. It is for me. Um, and that evolution of going from like, oh yeah, I know band stuff and I know band life and now I want to learn more producer stuff and I want to mm-hmm. learn more about how I can craft a better song as opposed to just thinking like, wow, I, I think I write good songs, you know? <laughs> um, so hopefully that's what uh, that's what this album does for me. Um, at least I, I think it already has, but I hope mm-hmm. that other people hear that when, when they listen to it. You know, be, being a, a fan and supporter of Waking Things, I, I guess the, the first thing I would say in describing your current music and the and the stuff that you're putting out on critter is that it is very unique it's and it's very different unique and different are words that people use when they don't know how to describe that it's terrible <laughs> i don't think it's terrible but i but i i do think that it's you know you you've got all kinds of cool experimental sounds and stuff like like there, there's like I was even um, uh, uh, listening on my walk this morning and like there was a couple times like I'm you know I got a good rhythm and then I just stop and kind of push my earbuds and I'm like the fuck is this <laughs> um, okay and then I just kind of keep going it's it's right. um, so I thought maybe let's you kind of alluded to it a bit but let's let's talk about kind of the perhaps the the transition from more 
I don't even want to use the word traditional, you know, kind of like all alternative stuff that you were doing with Waking Things to now stuff that's really alternative mm-hmm. with uh, with what you're doing with with Critter. Well, yeah, I'm I'm happy to talk about it. Is there a specific song that jumped out at you that because um, uh, right now I've got. Uh, I think I've got uh, 14, 14 of the 18 songs that are going to be on the album. And I should also say there's going to be, I think, a couple of bonus tracks, too, if you do it on, on Bandcamp. But uh, the actual full album, I think, will have 17 mm-hmm. and then uh, 18 and 19 and 20 or whatever are probably going to be bonus tracks. So cool. out of the songs that are out. Out of the 14 songs that are currently out, is there one specifically that um, jumps out at you as as something that made you kind of like, what the fuck is that, you know? I, I uh, turned on Robot Window. Because, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, I'm into robots. And, then, and I think that was the one this morning where I was like, I don't know yeah, what, what, what this is. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's a song that is uh, literally a minute and two seconds long. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, inspired by the by the band Foxy Shazam, which if you're not familiar with Foxy Shazam, you should go look them up. They mm-hmm. have a really, they got a pretty good back catalog where they started out as kind of like this weird theatrical, um, uh, like punk band, like kind of, uh, where you know, the lead singer is like uh, lighting like five cigarettes at a time and then eats them on stage and like does like, oh my God. He'll, like run up behind his guitar player and jump on his shoulders as, yeah. as he's like playing a solo just really crazy over the top stuff um, and then they kind of went into more like 80s-ish like meatloaf big arena like anthem rock mm-hmm. and then they went into like a really subdued thing on an album anyways they, they got a whole back catalog so this song Robot Window was I was driving along on Capitol Hill and there's this really great little hardware store on 12th Avenue I think it's called Pacific Hardware shout out there's my uh, there's my business plug sponsor me <laughs> um, and they've got in their window they, their window display is a couple of like I think it's three different like robots in the window yeah and I don't know what it was about that moment but sometimes when you're writing songs or when you're when you were just a uh here's my air quotes songwriter yeah uh you just a melody will just pop up in your head and it was that melody from that song that just stuck with me and i went home and i tried to write something from it and what ended up happening was i wrote that one opening verse and then the one chorus and then i sat on it forever and i didn't really think that I wanted to 
douse it down with just unnecessary like yeah. lyricism where I said, hey, this is enough. I've heard artists do differently and I've heard artists do the same. So, I, you know, I, this is, I like this. I, I don't think it needs to go beyond this. Yeah. And it's um, it's a punk song. It's like got the big like belted opening the um, that lasts for like 10 seconds. <laughs> and, the, and then it just goes into a really simple kind of like pop punk song. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think if you were to boil down what's bouncing around in my head, or at least through my mid twenties, it would be that it's just like theatrical and nonsense. And sure, but it kind of boils in down to like a real, like maybe it's got a little bit of a catch to it. Mm-hmm. Um, where I know that you're probably, you know, you may not, it may not be your favorite song ever, but you probably at some point you're going to be like. You know, you might get mm-hmm. that you can get this thing stuck in your yeah, head, yeah. and that's fine by me. It doesn't. I'm not. I'm not claiming to be. You know, um, the like some great Swedish. Uh, <laughs> you know, producer like uh, what's his name, uh, um, Max Max Miller. Not yeah. sure. I'm, I'm not writing Katy Perry's songs. I. You know, I wish I were. If I was that good of a songwriter, then you know maybe I'd be getting paid for it. Yeah, but, yeah. But. Th- this is what is in my head mm-hmm. and songs like that often they just pop up and I'm like I gotta do it you know just gotta do it well and, and that's what a lot of these feel like is stuff where it was almost like you got struck by lightning and you're just like I, I, I've gotta get this out yeah and it, it just and it, and it feels like it has that that urgency to it which which I think is really cool yeah, and any any songwriter will tell you that they have those moments. They'll just like for me, one of the big things is uh, walking. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm walking anywhere, it's like something about whatever I'm walking on. If I'm walking on gravel versus grass versus um, uh, you know, if I'm walking alone by myself or walking with somebody else, yeah, a melody will pop up in my head, and then I'll bust out my phone and I'll do the little voice memo thing. And I've got a bunch of voice memos where it's really embarrassing when I'm like trying to show somebody, <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh, hey, listen to this one thing." Oh, no, not that one because it's just me going. Don't worry, that's going to be a song eventually, and then you know, here we are, and that's kind of what happened with that. That's interesting. So I listen to you gotta get your shit together i haven't heard pockets yet okay i i gotta i gotta get on that but that that's um that's a right banger You like that one, huh? I do. See, and that's the more traditional rock song because I knew you were going to like that one. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's definitely those two songs are the more straightforward. Like these definitely could have been waking things songs. Yeah, yeah. It, and maybe that's why it resonated with me because it was like, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. It's it's it, it's the it's the stuff that I'm uh, more accustomed to, the yeah. stuff I'm used to. It's familiarity.
you feel foolish with condescending words that you'd recite to remind a tiny part of you must have known this was all an apology that was meant to go through your back into the side I'm sorry if I ever made you feel empty by bearing crooked teeth and showing my defensive side but since you took the chance to take me out at the knees love served its only purpose as a complicated lie so uh yeah uh, pockets was a um uh that that one inspired by the band manchester orchestra mm. uh they are this amazing rock band uh, from the south and um they kind of went they did the soundtrack for uh swiss army man with daniel radcliffe oh and Paul yeah Dano. uh they did um they i mean they've been hustling and working uh for years and they've got side projects and all this stuff but they're I went through a really big phase where Manchester Orchestra was my like everything. Mm-hmm. And that if you remember the song Pretend from Waking Things, it's like that same vein of uh kind of like emotive uh you know rock music. Yeah. Uh and I think if I <laughs> if I could have gotten him I sent an email to their manager and I said this is this is me like shooting for the stars knowing it's not going to happen but I was like hey you know um, I know that you guys are like a really big band and really busy but like I would really like if Andy could sing on this song what, what do you think and I sent him the demo and like of course no you know yeah. it's never going to happen but um, if you don't try you'll never know well yeah I mean it's like uh, Wayne Gretzky always says you know you, you miss all the shots you never take that's so. right Wayne Gretzky is the greatest <laughs> so and, and, that, and that's the other thing too and maybe we can talk about this as, as we we touch on each of these songs one of the things that that i i like about the ramp up to the release of critter is that like you you've you, you've set up this whole world for lack of a better term the 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 critter bar and right. you use it as a a platform to highlight the incredible collaborators that you've that you've been working with so um i, I want to make sure as we're as we're chatting about the songs it's like definitely give those shout outs to your name your conspirators yeah. you know that, that kind of thing yeah the, the, is there some cool folks you were working with um i i'm trying to to uh, limit the amount of time I talk about myself because yeah. the the real reality is that this album and these songs are um, only great in my opinion. They're, they are they they were fine by myself, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to like you know uh, fish for compliments or anything. I think personally, I've gotten to that point where I say, hey, you know, I can accept that um, when I think my song is like, oh, that's it's fine. Yeah, but they became all of the ones with uh these collaborators they became great because of them without a doubt this album would not have taken place mm-hmm. or would not have been I, I i don't know if i even released it if it had not been for every single person that was so kind enough to lend their talents mm-hmm. to the rest of the album and it kind of got me in that headspace of if i'm gonna you know keep doing music this might be the direction i go where i say um maybe i don't need to be the singer you know maybe i don't need to be the front person and i can step back and and if i write a song does it fit 
somebody else better mm-hmm. and that's what i've learned on this album interesting yeah. see and and i would also add to that uh, especially at a time you know we, we briefly touched on existential dread mm. and collaboration in its own way creates accountability mm. um you know to to yourself to others and it's like because there, there there were times where i'm like i don't know if i want to do this podcasting stuff but then like i would have a buddy of mine ring me up and say hey man you want you want to get together and and talk about you know this that or the other thing right and that would reinvigorate me, whereas just ponying up to the mic by myself was sometimes a challenge. So I, I, I can appreciate it, at least spiritually, some of that, that creative juice that comes from uh, working with exciting new folks um, yeah. or folks you have worked with in the past as well. Yeah, uh, it's all music and entertainment and all of mm-hmm. this is it is far more collaborative than people uh want to believe that you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with mm-hmm. um and uh i feel very very fortunate that the the number of people that helped me out and jumped on the album did so mm-hmm. and when they did it they just delivered in spades it was um some of it was hey can can you do this specific thing that i have in mind uh because i really think your voice would lend itself to it uh others was like you know what just do what you do and uh and those honestly was really those songs were honestly the more impactful ones for me as opposed to like oh hey i really like your voice come sing on sing this part that i already have pre-written and it's great it's good you know turned out awesome Mm -hmm. but then there's like a handful of songs on the album that i'm like just so in love with because it says more about who they are versus who i am and that really elevates the song um so let's uh let's talk about jim latch oh I I'm gonna I'm gonna repronounce that for you. Oh please, yeah. So it's uh, I, I I tried. No, I tried. I even practiced. That's okay in front of a mirror. But yes, please. That, uh, at least I didn't say glimlag. Well, that's <laughs> I almost did. A, it's a little bit closer, actually. God damn it! God damn it! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, it is. Uh, it's a South. Af- it's an Afrikaans word. Yes. So uh, in Afrikaans, it's pronounced klemlach. So uh, it's C L I M dash L A C H. Okay. Uh, Klimlach. Klimlach. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit in there. And All right. It's, um, it I'll is, keep practicing. It is the Afrikaans word for smile. Mm-hmm. My good friend, who is on the cover for this album, you can see her and I are playing a little guitar in in our uh, little music room there, and that's my good friend Lisa Reed, and she is from South Africa. Okay. Moved to seattle uh, a couple of years ago and she randomly came out to a waking things show in bellingham and then when she's just like oh yeah just you know checking stuff out and then oh wow you you live on capitol hill and then immediately after that it just went from like oh cool it's nice to meet you and then we've pretty much been inseparable friends since then now she is like a go-to best friend so that's awesome it's kind of nice uh so i wrote this song for her birthday and um i thought that it was out of all the songs this is the whole idea of what the album is about which is choosing happiness Mm -hmm. choosing to move forward in whatever it is that you're doing and being 
present in that happiness, mm-hmm. allowing mm-hmm. yourself to um, make those changes and not being afraid of you know moving toward that. And I think the problem that I used to have is that I would say, I don't want that. I don't want this specific thing in a specific way uh, because it doesn't align with this idea of whatever I have this path. Yeah, yeah. Once I just allowed myself to um, be happy, which is like I said, I want to be with my wife and I'm not going to allow outside influence or, you know, weird anxieties to prevent me from enjoying that. Mm -hmm. And it's just she's like the greatest person ever. And then (laughs) and then all of a sudden I'm going to be a dad and I'm like really excited about it. So that's what this song really was about. You see, and and I wanted to touch on this one uh, early on because this feels like the mission statement, as you said. It it just kind of like feels like at its core what the meat of Critter is and really kind of where Chris Sicard is kind of as in in his artist journey, if uh, if I may. Yeah. And I I, I definitely um, I pulled a little bit of influence there from like, you know, these like Last year or two years ago, there was a really big resurgence in like beach house style music. Yeah, you know, Mac DeMarco, he's been making music for the last like you know uh, ten years or whatever. Really popular, building his popularity, and I really love this like really kind of chill vibe tones that, yeah. that there's. Um, it's mine's not quite uh, that, or this song is not quite like that, uh, or it's not. Exactly like that, but there's some influence there that I pulled mm-hmm, that was um, mm-hmm. a little more uh, vibey, and yeah. that, that's what you know: clean guitars, a nice good driving bass line, and a nice uh, steady shuffle drum beat. I think it's uh, yeah, it's a really chill song. And Very I really, chill. I like it. <laughs> um, I've got uh, AM thoughts next on my list. Yeah, this uh, you know this is another one of those situations, kind of like Robot Window, where I um, I woke up. And I had a melody in my head. Uh-huh. And that happens uh, all the time. Sometimes it really comes to turns into something, but I had the time and the space to turn it into something. I was in quarantine. I couldn't I wasn't even working. So I was like, woke up, had this thought in my head. It just kept circling around. Uh, it was the baseline. and um, I took a shower. I'm like, repeating it over and over and it just kind of kept coming to me and then i like i made sure i'm like hey i know that you probably want to have breakfast you want to make coffee but just give me like 20 minutes and i'll sit down and i'll hammer this thing out and um that's what happened and then this then i built started building the song and fleshing it out from there
It is. This song is. Um, it it's a love song. Yeah. But it's a sad love song. Yeah. There there is there is a, a melancholy yeah. to it. Yeah, and some of the greatest songs have melancholy, so mm-hmm. I'll, um, I, I, I will never apologize for writing sad songs. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was gonna say that that's kind of kind of on brand for uh, uh, for what what you've brought to the table. You mm-hmm. know, it's like I, I've I, I, I've sometimes compared uh, Waking Things to uh, pop punk by way of musical theater, because <laughs> because like don't, ha- don't tell my wife that. <laughs> um, do you think I'm not going to sing? <laughs> well, and, and there's a there's a theatricality, and I think yeah. the with the theatricality comes the melancholy as well. I, I think I think yeah. those kind of exist in hand. Yeah, you're telling a story through a song, and um, you know, I, I grew up watching. Uh, this is where my wife is going to make fun of me. Um, <laughs> I grew up watching Moulin Rouge, and I grew yeah. up watching uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and those songs uh, were, uh, they're very emotive, and it's very serious, but also very romantic, and um, and Danny Elfman, and uh, listening to Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman sing, and uh, you know all this different stuff is just kind of uh, brought this part of me out that was, hey, I'm. I want to be a performer in front of people. Yeah, yeah. But I also am very sad, <laughs> and I have so much to talk about. So here we are on an hour long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No mail today. Nobody likes you. Let's show Mike some love. Right into the mailbag at mikecyberradio at gmail.com. And of course, the spelling on that is S E I B E R T. You've got mail. Everybody loves you. I'm pretty sure the first song I heard was Hello. Oh, okay. Um, that well, that one is that one's not the oldest one. No, no. It, uh, it's like it's like you had, you had posted a few, mm-hmm. and then I just kind of like jumped in. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, really, touch rolling quickly on "Hello." "Hello" was a uh, song that I was inspired by Elliot Sumner, who is the daughter of Sting, uh, and she does this song called "After Dark." And my friend from Portland showed it to me one time, uh, and then years later, I was like, "Man, that." that baseline is just so so good so good and uh then i tried to like you know write my own version of something like that that was like up in my head and then it turned into kind of a pop punk emo song and so who else in the seattle music scene was like pop punk emo and could deliver so i called on my boys from the requisite yes and they (laughs) killed it Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, went from one of those songs where I was like, oh, hey, you know what? Great. I'm glad I wrote it because I've been sitting on it for a long time. But then I was like, dude, this song, it kills. <laughs> so.
So uh, the other songs that I want to talk about, the three if I, and the four, if I can squeeze it in. Of course. Southbound Letters. I just want to give a really big shout yes. out to that song. That song to me was like, uh, it's like Pixies, Cars, and um, and a little bit of, uh, it's like 80s and 90s. So I don't know. There's like a mixture in there. But the person who really just ugh, blew me out of the water, Clarice Johnson from she i met her because her group uh snacks s-n-a-c-c-s not i think they're defunct now but she was just like she just blew me away if you can listen to this girl's voice she is incredible um i know she's finishing up school and she is um she's just an incredibly talented performer and i cannot thank her enough for being on this song so that one's one of my favorites Um, climb. Yeah. So this is my Beatles uh, slash Panic at the Disco pretty odd song. It's got trumpet, you know. It's got which is kind of a Brit pop thing uh, for a little. I guess drawn from a little bit there. But this was my, um, you know, I wanted to get weird with the lyrics and talk and get obscure metaphorical. Uh, but then I the the real kicker was I worked on this song for a really long time because I could not find a little kid who uh, I could get the parents to commit to getting them to sing this part, yeah. and it just took so long and it's a lot harder to get um, you know obviously you don't you can't just be a stranger and say hey do you want you know kids yeah, sing yeah. on the album <laughs> unless you're you know going to like a, a freelance artist or something but uh, thankfully I have uh, friends who were able to help me out and pull through and Avery. Lehman, who is the the young girl who is the vocalist on that song, and then Nick from Tiger Rider is the vocalist at the beginning. Um, that just like it's my one of my favorite songs. It's so happy, and it's the the perfect way to end the album.
Youth and Sex. I'm mentioning this one because uh, I'm doing a music video for it next month. Oh, cool. Yeah, partnering with uh, Roll Around Seatown. Uh, I don't know if I should say that officially, but officially, unofficially, uh, Tiffany from Roll Around Seatown. It's this skate group, uh, roller skate group, who meets at uh, the Southgate Roller Rink and Judkins Park in uh, South Seattle. So if you are a roller skate fanatic or you want to get into it, definitely, definitely hit up uh, Roll Around Seatown. They're helping me uh, do auditions and uh, really put this whole thing together. So I'm incredibly excited to uh, shoot a music video for that next month featuring Belmez Faces, who also just put out an album, my good friend Royce. This is The Dark Timeline. Check it out on Spotify. It's a great album, 80s dark wave goth stuff, so it really fits in well with that song. Oh, sweet. I, I got to check that out. That sounds dope. last song that I'll pitch because mm. uh, there, you know we could go on forever um, The it's not released yet but Boy Howdy the song Get In Line featuring uh, Seattle's very own Danny Denial um, he's just been this huge uh, force to reckon with in the last uh, couple of years and I don't think that people give him the really the recognition that he deserves Mm -hmm. even though i see him as like one of seattle's top artists i still think a lot of people are sleeping on him and um uh they shouldn't be because he tells stories in ways that a lot of other artists are afraid to um and he's doing it through not just music because he's not just a single uh type of artist he uh he did a whole uh web series called bazooka recently it was political it was diy it was uh it was just it was fun but it was also serious but it was also sci-fi and he had a bunch of awesome people in the seattle scene on it um so Hmm. definitely check that out too and that one's coming out uh in two weeks nice get in line featuring danny denial very cool and and so with that, you know, you've you've mentioned that uh, you you've been putting these songs out once every two weeks. Yep. To man, I can't do the math. How how when did when did you start putting these out? April first was when. Uh, that's so, that's yeah. right. And it was two songs every two weeks, and I've uh, thankfully been able to uh, stick to that commitment. Very cool. Yeah. And, and again, with the uh, the the culmination of the completed album being on on uh, the day my daughter is gonna be here in the world. Yeah, when my daughter is born, that's the same day as the album release. Obviously, I will have more important things to tend to, so I won't be watching 
to you know post anything it's just going to be out there and um and i'm going to be a dad so i'll be focusing (laughs) on that that's awesome so before before we pivot and move on uh do you want to let folks know where they can uh listen to the album i mean we shouted out spotify but you had also mentioned uh Bandcamp, and you know more or less where can folks get it where can folks connect and and all all that other kind of cool like hey check out my stuff type of type of promo stuff you know that's why we're here well mike let me tell you where you can download critter all popular streaming services. No, I'm not going to do that voice anymore. Um, you, I, I, I was just sitting here patiently like, how far is he going to take this? Oh, I can take I'm- it very far. Uh, you can listen to it on uh, all the popular streaming services. It's on Tidal. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. Bandcamp is where you're going to be able to get all of the bonus tracks. So if you're interested at all in uh, that extra stuff, if if 17 songs wasn't enough for you, well, guess what? You're in for some good news because <laughs> there's more. That's awesome. Uh, any plans on doing a physical version or is it all just uh, digital for now? Uh, right now, just digital. But I think once, uh, you know, physical is like it's such a difficult thing to to. Uh, decide whether or not you want to spend the money on yeah. uh, you know if i'm not out playing promoting this playing shows and this was just like an online project for me mm-hmm. then it's like do i need to spend 500 dollars on cds or vinyl or whatever right uh, it would be nice to have you know just as a keepsake uh something i could uh you know pass on or let my daughter see eventually mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um or get a couple like you know 10 copies out to like you know choice friends and family who refuse to join us in the 21st century with uh you know streaming services or whatever sure but that being said there's no plans right now well and it's interesting though that in this i mean again we we, we've uh uh waxed philosophic about uh the year that was and how models have changed and how attitudes and have changed this project is something that was born of 2020 and it makes sense and again i'm getting way too philosophical about why there isn't a a physical version of this it makes sense organically because of the nature of the project that it it exists in this digital space yeah and and that's why i really like the cover for the album uh i've been teasing it out and you'll see it when it gets posted online uh when the album comes out but it's a you know it's a recreation of a dive bar uh, mm-hmm. and with all these different artists in the dive bar and it's um it kind of makes you at least that's what i was going for is it reminded me of that feeling of being in a space with people yeah. at a time when that wasn't a thing right you know yeah and a year and a half is a long time to not be around people mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, because I mean, even this, like, you know, we, we were discussing this uh, earlier. I, I can't, I honestly can't recall the last time I was across the table from somebody just yeah. talking openly. And, and I'm sure folks listening um, f- can pick up that the energy is is different like you know i've been you know i've been like zooming like everyone else you know i've been like doing video conferencing and phone calls and skype and you know finding these new ways to connect that i didn't really mess around with before and it's it's different and it's interesting and it 
it reminds me of the stuff that you're doing. It's, yeah. you know, it, it's new, it's different, it's interesting, yeah. and a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, <laughs> there's a couple more songs that uh, definitely, um, let's see, the, the ones that are coming. Yeah. I think there's one in particular that's a little bit more weird, um, but yeah. You know, you do what you do, and we we embrace what we can. And I appreciate you bringing me on here, and we can talk about uh, this ad nauseum. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, Chris Ricard, it is always a pleasure uh, hanging out. It's uh, it's been far too long. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, before we part ways for now, uh, do you want to do uh, one more pitch and plug for uh, your solo project for Critter and maybe let folks know where we can connect with you on the internets and the social medias and and all, all, all that cool fun stuff and or, I mean, anything else you want to plug while, uh, while, while I got you here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I would just like to say that uh, Critter is coming out on August 6th, um, and it will be available on uh, Spotify and all the streaming services and everything, but I think I've been using Spotify the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, August 6th, Critter by Chris Sicard. That's the album uh, that you can find uh, in all those places. Thanks, Chris. And again, there are several tracks available for you to listen to right now in full. So go check that out. And I would love to hear what you think of Chris's new stuff. Is it uh, a quote unquote air quotes unique and interesting, like I just said? Or can you describe the indescribable Chris Sicard better than I can? Hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. Now, coming up later this week, it's part two of my conversation with Chris Sicard, and we're going to talk more about the Seattle indie music scene, and he's going to share a sample of an ethnographic paper he wrote on that very topic for an anthropology course. Now, what's an ethnographic paper? You're going to have to find out in our next podcast, but I promise you it has the combination of acerbic wit, depth of thought, and warm humor I've grown to appreciate from Chris Sicard over the years. But... That will wrap things up for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to all my past shows, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. And you can check out the full show archive out on SoundCloud. Five years and over 300 episodes worth of shows out there. And join us for the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast live stream out on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Live. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. For my guest, Chris Sicard, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, support your local scene and make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.